0: as white Christians in these troubled violent times of pandemics and racial capitalism and the beauty of resistance. I'm Reverend Ann Dunlap, pronouns she, her, hers. I'm a United Church of Christ minister and I'm the faith organizing coordinator for showing up for racial justice or surge. I live in the place currently called Buffalo, New York here in the homelands of the Haudenosaunee and Erie peoples. This podcast is a project of Surge Faith and is particularly designed for white Christians. White Christians talking to other white Christians about race and white supremacy. We believe white Christians like us, like me, have a responsibility to commit ourselves to resisting white supremacy, to speaking up and showing up and disrupting white supremacy where we find it, including in our own Christian tradition. And we do this work remembering we are building up a new world. This live recording of Dr. Vincent Harding's song for the freedom movement is of a multiracial movement choir practice in Denver, Colorado in December, 2014, being led by minister Daryl J. Walker. And we are deeply grateful to the Freeney Harding family for letting us use the song for this podcast. The word is resistance. I'm so excited to uh, join with Reverend Claire Brown for this episode to talk about Pentecost. Um, seems appropriate to have more than one voice talking about Pentecost for Pentecost, don't
1: you think, Claire? I think so. Uh, plus, it's an extra fun way to record these podcast episodes. Um, I'm Reverend Claire. I'm pronounced she/her/hers, and I'm an Episcopal priest serving as the rector of St. Paul's in what is currently called Athens, Tennessee, uh, Cherokee and Yuchi lands. And I think that's all I need to say about myself right now. <laughs> all right. It's great
0: to do this um, podcast with you today. So thanks so much for saying yes when I asked yeah. you. Yeah. Or maybe you asked me. I, I don't remember oh, now. No. Yeah. Pandemic brain. Yeah. Um, erases things. So our text today is gonna be that that famous Pentecost text from the second chapter of Acts with all the fire and the supposed drunkenness. It should be fun. Um, So Claire, would you start us off? Acts two, one through 21.
1: Sure. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly from heaven, there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind
0: shall be saved. So Claire, when we messaged about doing this episode, you were really excited to talk about this uh, scripture, this story from Acts. So tell us what's going on here and what sounds out to you, why you, si- you were excited um, about yeah. this story.
1: So I love the Feast of Pentecost. Um, in fact, I forgot to tell you before we started recording, In, I made a hat for the occasion. Um, <laughs> this is great. an audio recording. So I'll describe that I'm wearing a construction paper hat that looks like a giant flame sticking off the front of my head it's Um, fabulous thank you I um I think it's a holdover because I don't know if you know this about me but I actually spent my teenage and young adult years in Pentecostal and charismatic communities oh okay um where as you could imagine they're really into Pentecost and the Holy Spirit is being this really strong force in the lives of faithful people, mm. um, I ended up coming to some really different conclusions <laughs> um, <laughs> about God and about social ethics and about human beings than those communities. Uh, but this idea of God's presence coming to God's people in really strange and powerful and disruptive ways has always been really compelling to me. And I think that um, to look at this text through the lens of the word is resistance to talk about how can we as white folks look at this text and think about things differently. Um, there's some really exciting threads of resisting Rome that I think are present here mm. and have some good stuff to explore. Um, I've been really also shaped by a friend of mine who, um, Dr. Eka Tupamahu, who is um, a Pentecostal pastor Mm -hmm. and also a progressive anti- and post-colonial New Testament scholar. And he has done a lot of really incredible research and writing about how language in acts and in the letter to the Corinthian church functions as this sort of community space navigating a distinct identity and to hear this message about the power of Jesus and his resistance and life and resurrection in one's own language is actually a way of pushing back against the culturally flattening impulse and force of empire, Mm. Um, that it was a linguistic tether to powerfully encountering something so radical um, that would have been lost if this message had only been in Hebrew or in Greek, mm-hmm. um, that there's something really particular going here, going on here around the multi-ethnic, multilingual experience that's not just a sort of Jesus meets me individualism, but is mm-hmm. a profoundly political moment. I mm. love
0: that, I love that. And it makes me think back to the text that the number of times, this was in the part that I read and I don't know, reading it on the page and then saying it out loud, it struck me differently. The number of times that it said that they were speaking in the native languages of, of these peoples in, in these different places that were, were all over you know, um, you know, as I told you, when we kind of touched base, before we started recording, I sat down and was looking at the maps of like, where are all these places? You know, are these places within the empire? Are they not? And it's a mix. Some of them are within the Roman empire. Some of them are beyond like, way beyond the boundaries of the Roman empire. Um, and what it says in, in the, in verse five here is, that these are all the, the nations or, or in the Greek, we could also translate that as the peoples, not nation states per se necessarily, but the peoples, maybe even the indigenous peoples of places that are under heaven, they're they're under God's realm. They don't actually belong to Rome. They belong to heaven, they belong to God. And I think, yeah, I agree with you of the, um, the naming of all of these places, all of these peoples, because I think that's that's how we hear them, like the peoples of these places, or you know, the Parthians or, or the the Phrygians, you know, and that there's intention about the naming of these places. Mm-hmm. That um, I agree that has to be a pushback against the way that that the Roman Empire and empires in general work to. Flatten um, local distinction, work to flatten or even erase indigenous presence, indigenous culture um, in the service of, of empire. Under empire, everything becomes one mm-hmm. one language, one narrative, uh, one motivating imperial theology. So we can't have these distinct, you know, um, honoring of, of place and of culture, because with language comes culture. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, so I think I think that is part of what has
1: to be happening in this in this text. Mm-hmm. And in that, even noticing that, uh, first, the, you know, the author of Acts has the crowd name themselves is kind of a powerful thing, ah. right? Like amazed and astonished, they asked, and so that list of all these different peoples. Um, is attributed, the narrator attributes that to coming from the crowd, Um, and then also identifying the Galileans Mm. as kind of their own dialect and subculture and community. Um, Yeah, yeah, because there's a power, even again, knowing that this is a narrated text, to give that naming and attribution to the voice of the crowd. I just think there's something beautiful about that because I it makes never noticed that before. It makes it a conversation. Oh. Right? It's not just Peter's monologue. There's there's a little bit more back and forth. People listening, people speaking to one another.
0: They were saying to one another, right? It says mm-hmm. here, what does this mean? You know, what does this mean? <laughs> um, Yeah. And then we get this, this beautiful little citation from, from Joel, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, the young people shall prophesy and your children will, will prophesy Your young people will see visions. Your elders will dream dreams. And even the enslaved people, like, you know, this is one of those moments where, you know, God breaks through to say Mm -hmm. something about what's happening in the world. Mm -hmm. Um, and it reminds me, and actually, you talking about you know your background in in um, spending time in the Pentecostal church, um, when I lived in um, in Costa Rica and then worked with with different um, pastors in Central America, you know, like twenty five, some years ago now. but there was a, you know, a strong Pentecostal movement throughout Latin America, and people were, we're very curious about like what is happening here, and some uh especially those of us from mainline traditions in the United states, white white people mm-hmm. from <laughs> my traditions in the <laughs> white people from white mainline traditions in the United States <laughs> would, like look down, like mm. you know, oh this evangelical oh this this pentecostal, like what is this?" and what I learned, what I was taught is. Um, where in those times, in, in some ways it's been co-opted now by power, but in those times where those communities, these Pentecostal communities were rising up was overlaid by people who, you know, were experiencing immense amounts of oppression. Mm -hmm. And when you have a, the experience as someone who is Pentecostal of God speaking directly through you without an, uh, interpreter, without a pastor, without, you know, somebody in power.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: You know, what greater expression of your worth as a human being than knowing that God can connect with you and speak through you Mm -hmm. and give you a word to share. Yeah. And so it was actually this like super powerful, liberating thing in many ways that was happening that people were finding voice to speak Mm -hmm. to their experience, Um, you know, Mm -hmm. maybe not always in the language that people from the United States could appreciate, but this kind of outbreaking of, like, you know, you may say that I am nothing as a campesino. You may say that I am nothing as a poor, you know, farmer, Mm -hmm. but God speaks directly through me Mm -hmm. in my own language, Mm -hmm. you know, Um,
1: Well, and that's, I mean, that's beautiful too, because um, whether the, you know, the Appalachian Pentecostal movement (laughs) would want to identify itself um, in this way or not, I think it's part of a long line of Christian mysticism. Mm -hmm. And that has always been linked to liberation. Mm -hmm. I mean, even in the white US American Pentecostalism, it was like a, a poor people's religious movement, Mm -hmm. um, that was like working on flourishing and finding hope. Um, but even throughout history, that direct connection, um, and here it says in our own languages, we hear them speaking about God's deeds of power,
0: Mm
1: -hmm. right? Like this is a, this is a counter narrative of power Mm -hmm. being spoken and received and embodied
0: Mm -hmm. by
1: people who, are not the not the empire not the <laughs> not the powerful um and I also didn't want to miss an, a comment that you had made before we began and that um people from Rome is on the list right visitors yeah <laughs> visitors um, like
0: they they don't actually they're not actually from here we're very clear <laughs> even though they're the occupiers right they do actually live there you know, um, pilot and his whole, his whole crew, those soldiers that are everywhere, like they do live there. The occupation is present and felt and they live there. And yet they're given this like, oh, and these visitors from Rome. Like, <laughs> I love that little like side It's eye. almost
1: sassy. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> but I think too, that they the inclusion of visitors from Rome also points at the sort of the bigger game of God's sort of eschatological peacemaking Mm. that makes me uncomfortable because I want to see the death dealing empire like brought down. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think there is this sort of peaceable kingdom of like visitors from Rome get to hear about God's deeds of power too. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's like When I've done some anti-racist work in parishes um, often like cishet white guys will be the ones who are like in this conversation I don't feel like there's room for me I feel like you're like pushing me away and my kind of go-to phrase is like no there's a place for you at the table you're just not hosting the party And so I feel like it's like visitors from Rome, you can hear this good news too. In your own language. In your own language, but you aren't hosting the party. Yeah. This is not your story.
0: Yeah. And, you know, side note, we as the white people are the visitors from Rome, right? Right. In this story.
1: Yep. We are the visitors from Rome. (laughs) Oh, well, mm. and, how do we think about the Pentecost story this week as we watch escalating violence against Palestinians? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How are we thinking about that and processing the complexities of being part of the United States empire in that situation? Christian privilege being half a world away from the nuances of that situation Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and grappling with that faithfully.
0: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I thought about that as, you know, as I read through the text preparing for, for our conversation today and, you know, looking at the maps and, you know, and I think for me, it with this particular story, it does come back to that. Uh, uh, the story lifting up um, the the places by name, or, the, or as you pointed out, the people being lift, able to lift up their own places by name. You know, th- this isn't a you know, they didn't, the, whoever wrote this, didn't phrase it as, you know, oh, all of the peoples of the empire heard the language of the empire. And so if we understand this text to be a pushing back on the way, ways that empires flatten, erase, destroy, local community, indigenous community, place, language, culture, practice um, in the service of empire, then we can think about um, or remind ourselves, I guess, that what is happening in Palestine, the violence that is happening to Palestinians is an expression of empire it's in the service of the US empire you know in collusion with the Israeli government and that violence you know serves a, a particular vision for the, the Israeli government um, but it particularly serves the interests of the, of the US empire the imperial interest for militarization for for you know the desire for and need for perpetual war to feel to fill, you know, the coffers of those who make the weapons, those who profit from instability um, in the in the Middle East that the situation creates, um, and when we trace, you know, back to who who those are, you know, it's Christian Zionists who are who are running that show. Mm-hmm. Um, so as, as white Christians, we want to be really clear about our analysis of what's happening, yeah. which is not only that the Israeli government is, is committing atrocities against the Palestinian people, but also committing those atrocities in ways that serve U.S. interests and are supported by U.S. interests whether it's training police and soldiers or sending weaponry you know, or just straight up you know, money, um, mm-hmm. that is in the service of U.S. imperial interests.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And yeah. so our, um, our call, I guess I could put it that way, our call as, as Christians is is to actually resist those impulses of empire and so it is to show up and be in solidarity with the palestinian people Mm -hmm. and in the spirit of this text from from acts of the the naming of the specifics like there are palestinian arabs there are palestinian jews there are palestinian christians there you know they are naming themselves for us Um, you know and and they are all being crushed under this imperial uh, imperial impulse from the United mm-hmm. States. And mm-hmm. so it, it's our call to actually be in solidarity and to strive for Palestinian liberation. Because w- when Palestinians are free, then we are all free and we are all safer. This does not create a safe world for anyone. We can be in solidarity with our... Jewish beloveds who are also calling for an end to the occupation because they know that this kind of violence does not actually protect them from anti-Semitism. It doesn't protect them from anti-Semitic violence. Only liberation of Palestine and ending the occupation mm-hmm. will do that. Um, and to me, that is in the spirit the spirit of this text, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. of resisting the imperial impulse to crush and flatten. Um, Resist, as part of resisting
1: empire altogether. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I think, um, again, that, that it's really crucial that we're not having this conversation as just like Claire and Anne who care about this political cause, but that it's deeply connected to our faith as Christians. Um, mm-hmm. And that talking meaningfully envisioning meaningfully an alternative to Christian Zionism is crucial work and I think you know for folks who might be listening who have not spent any time in um <laughs> back to my origins didn't, <laughs> didn't mean for this thread to go there but it certainly All is right. connected <laughs> um communities where that is normative um it doesn't look like It doesn't look like empire. (laughs) It mostly looks like good people who really love Jesus, Mm -hmm. who are being taught that Jesus is going to physically come back and, you know, resurrect people from the graves and meet us in the sky and take Mm -hmm. us to heaven. It's a very particular vision of that. Mm -hmm. And that, that all depends on, the Holy land being restored to Israel. Mm -hmm. Um, And so there, there are biblical threads that can be used to support Christian Zionism in ways that many well-meaning, oblivious upholders of empire have no idea um, about, you know, the money of war Mm -hmm. or the damage that's being done. Yeah. Um, I think one of the ways that, empire culture works is that stories of roadblocks and everyday occurrences of violence and harm and land dispossession are erased and so we don't encounter them and all of a sudden rockets are being launched right and so years of suffering and harm are erased and silenced Mm -hmm. and communities well-meaning communities that support a Christian Zionist agenda mm-hmm. are only talking about kind of yep. dis- disorder and riots and mm-hmm. violence um, in in ways that ignore long term suffering mm-hmm. and further support those agendas. Um, and so I say all that not to not to give too much credit or to get let people off the hook. But just to name that a lot of communities take up this particular cause of our empire without maybe carrying first an ethic of human flourishing against Mm -hmm. colonial power and that kind of violence, Um, but different previous commitments are forming that. And so those of us who are, who are committed to this liberation have to be able to talk about this in light of scripture and, Mm -hmm. and to celebrate all these people naming their own selves um, as, as distinct and to remember that, you know, (laughs) The, the residents of Mesopotamia and Judea and Cappadocia, those were real places. They were real places. They are, continue to be real places. That's right. Where people are experiencing harm. And so to let the homeland and the self-naming shine through and not allow this to become disembodied to us, even as progressive mm-hmm. Christians, mm-hmm. but do mm-hmm. that translation work back and forth so that mm-hmm. we can share the knowledge that we've been given. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: yeah.
1: You know, it makes me, you mentioned like the
0: threads that uphold that, that Christian Zionist understanding of, of the end times, if you will. Mm. And, you know, that story out of, out of Revelation, in some ways we can think of it as, as a similar story to this in Acts of, of mm. a community that is be- crushed repeatedly by Rome and this vision in revelation is not about the end times of Jesus coming back and you know whatever it's about an indigenous people's resistance to empire and one of these days Rome you are going to lose and we will have <laughs> our land back yeah. because at this point the you know by the time revelation is being written the people are in diaspora they've been carried off into enslavement after the destruction of Rome, by uh, destruction of Jerusalem by Rome, like you're going to get yours in the end.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. That's not a. That's not a. I mean, it's a triumphalist vision, but for the oppressed, right? Not for right. the oppressor. And that's you know. And that's that's where we have to start retelling these stories, and, and like, let's get our pa- power analysis correct about <laughs> what's happening mm-hmm. in these texts. Mm-hmm.
1: And also thing to, I wonder, sorry oh, go ahead I was just gonna say and to also always be humble in that developing power analysis and mm-hmm. always be in conversation yeah. um, being mindful that like that revelation story um, it can do a lot of work in different directions um, I, I I saw um, an essay from John McClure um, one of my professors from Vanderbilt who pointed out that the acts text has been unjustly used to support ethnic segregation instead of empowerment Mm. um, of indigenous peoples. And so like always holding really loosely and being in conversation and being humble and checking it with each other Mm -hmm. and, and decentering our quick interpretations Mm -hmm. um, because we know that scripture can be used to oppress or to liberate. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. And, w- and what were you going to say, Anne?
0: um I, I want to be clear for our folks, um, for our audience, that Christian Zionism isn't just a theology that's sort of floating around in the air. It's right. an organized movement of mm-hmm. right-wing Christians, um, some of whom are, are in uh, APAC, but I cannot remember for the life of me right now what APAC stands for. It's a huge lobbying group, but also um, uh, organized through uh, Christians United for Israel.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: and the people who are organizing around Christian Zionism, the, the white Christians, let's be clear, white, powerful Christians, mm-hmm. right-wing Christians, are the same ones who are driving things like how to protect police when they're being accused of, of murdering Black and Brown people. They're the same ones that are driving you know, legislation around trans people. They're the same ones mm-hmm. who... You know would rather uh you know profit off of healthcare and detention of like everything that we're trying to fight right right christian zionists are are the power behind so it's also mm-hmm. you know if you're a feminist if you're a queer person you know if you're impacted by police violence like it's also in your interest yeah fight against christian zionism because yeah. they are the ones who are pushing not only the U S you know, imperial interests, um, cynically in, I would say, um, in Israel, but also all of the oppressive stuff that we're trying to fight
1: Mm -hmm, here mm -hmm. in the U S lots of interconnection. Um, and, and again, subsuming all of that and, and selling it in the package of a Christian identity. Right. As if it were one
0: thing. As if it's one thing. To come back to that, you know, empires try to erase everything. into one narrative, one language, you know, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. one binary gender, uh, (laughs) you know, not one binary gender, you know. I know what you mean. (laughs) You know what I mean? I can't figure out how to say that right. But you know what I mean? One narrative about gender, one narrative about family, one narrative about race, which is Whites are superior. And, you know, what this text teaches us is that we have to fight back against that. Mm
1: -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think too, there's a, um, there's a tidiness of empire in that homogeneity. Um, Mm -hmm. Here's a random connection, but it makes me think about um, Madeline Lingle's book, What's the book called? There was a movie. Wrinkle in Time. Wrinkle in Time. Thank you. We can edit <laughs> out that fumble, maybe. Um, <laughs> but the, um, when they get to the dark planet with the clouds and the, the creepy neighborhood and mm. all the kids are out on the sidewalk and they're bouncing their balls at the same time yes you what I'm talking about yes yes and it's because it's all being controlled like mind controlled they all bounce their balls in the same rhythm and all, the, all moms, the houses look the same houses look the same and the moms open the door and call their kids in at the same moment and there is such a refusal to do that in this Acts passage oh my god I just got <laughs> chills when you said that <laughs> there's there is a refusal there's you know, imagine what the cacophony of multilingual proclamation at the yeah. same time, and the sound of the rushing wind and fire on people's fire, like this is it not is,
0: tidy and controlled. And it is neat.
1: not yeah. God's vision for God's people. Does not look like everyone bouncing a ball in rhythm, everyone speaking the same, and even the the prophecy that is quoted here pouring out God's spirit, you know, it's like, Mm -hmm. that's an image of abundance um, and, and chaos. (laughs) And that in that, in that chaos of people being empowered to speak and to hear things and connect it to where they are Mm. in the chaos of the messy cacophony Mm. of life together empowered voices together and still this beautiful unity of a message of resurrection Mm. that's where the spirit is
0: Mm. May may it be
1: so may it be so
0: may it be so
1: Let's hear those words from Joel again, keeping in mind that right now they are being enacted in Palestine as we hear the visions, the prophecies, the idea of what peace and justice can be from the folks in Palestine, from the folks to whom we endeavor as best we can to offer our solidarity and support. the sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the Lord's great and glorious day. Then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Hmm. Friends, as we are watching the news and keeping up and we see blood and fire and smoky mist and we hear the calls for God and for justice, um, This is an important week. They're all important, but this is an important week for our call to action. Um, And it's also a week when the call to action feels unattainable sometimes to be so far away. Um, But a few things we wanted to share with you. Um, First, um, Reverend Margaret is working on a special episode for the podcast that will do more of a deep dive into Christian Zionism that we spoke about today. Um, so be on the lookout for that. She'll bring a lot of good scholarship and wisdom. Um, and I, I can't wait to, to learn from her. Mm. And then, um, on Thursday, um, you can join Serge and others to learn more about what's going on in Israel and Palestine right now, how we got here and how Palestinian liberation is a racial justice issue. And it's tied in to, the bigger vision of collective liberation, just like Anne was talking about. And there'll be leaders from Arab Resources Organizing Center, Friends of Sabil North America, Catalyst Project, and of course, Surge Faith. Um, We also commend to you the US Campaign for Palestinian Rights Action Tool. You can check that out on their website and the link will be in our transcript. This is, you know, really listening to what Palestinians are calling for with safety and freedom. Um, You can send a letter to Congress and ask to hold Israel accountable, ask to end our military funding and to listen to Palestinian calls for freedom.
0: Beautiful, thank you, Claire. We listen to the Palestinian calls for freedom and recognize their prophecy in this moment, their visions, their dreams, Uh, for a new world Mm. for a new world where all of us are free and safe um, and have all we need to thrive Mm. i'm grateful for their witness Um, so thanks everyone thanks as always for joining us from wherever you are on this good earth um, we'd love to hear from you all by commenting on our SoundCloud or Twitter or Facebook pages or filling out the listener survey that you can find at showingupforracialjustice.org on, our, on the page for the podcast. And we'd love to hear from you about how we're doing, especially from folks of color, non-Christian folks who may be checking us out. Um, next week, we'll have a resistance word from Reverend Will Green, um, and also just highlighting Margaret's episode should be coming out soon. Maybe before this one, or maybe after, but don't miss it, is the point. <laughs> <laughs> um, you can find out more about Surge at showingupforracialjustice.org. And our podcast lives on SoundCloud. Search on The Word is Resistance. Give us a like or rate us on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to our podcast. Transcripts are available as well on our website, which include references, resources, and action links. Um, and finally, as always, a huge, huge thanks to our sound editor, Max Pearl. Claire, would you offer us a blessing to close us out?
1: Sure. Friends, may God's Holy Spirit be poured out on you, that you would hear of God's deeds of power, and that you would have an open heart, an open mind to listen to the prophecies and the dreams being spoken out into the world from Palestine. May you have hope and may you have courage and may God's blessing be with you today and always. Amen.